What's up, everybody? Welcome to the State of Wild episode 50, a regular YouTube video web series podcast thingy. My name's Meowth, and as usual, I'm joined by my two good friends, Raffle and Corbett. How are you guys doing today? I'm doing great. Another uh, fun week of Hearthstone, and uh, no more Stealer of Souls, so uh, pretty happy about that. Um, that's definitely improved my latter experience for the week. How about you, Corbett? Uh, yeah, it's all good. Pretty happy with Hearthstone stuff in general. At the time of the recording, the recent Masters Tour has started, so, I mean, by the time this comes out, it'll be probably pretty deep into that. But I always enjoy watching the Masters Tours and things like that for, uh, for standard Hearthstone. So, yeah, really enjoying it and happy with the Steeler and everything going on like that. There's something satisfying, I find, about just, like, watching casted Hearthstone. And so, like, mm. it's just something that's, you know, I enjoy throwing on in the background. Plus, free packs on YouTube, so... Well, it's a perfect segue for some other cast at Hearthstone that's going to be <laughs> happening this weekend. Uh, if you guys don't know already, there will be a huge wild tournament that's happening this weekend over on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash getmeout. The three of us will be casting. It's going to be a good time. Um, you know, By the time this episode comes out, it will have concluded, so it is a little bit too late to enter. But if you guys want to check out the actual production and the tournament itself and see who won uh, or find any of the list, you can find the VOD over on the Twitch channel. Um, but yeah... I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a long day, but uh, looking forward to seeing, you know, the first competitive Hearthstone. I mean, we don't really get a lot of competitive Hearthstone, but this is like the first time we're getting competitive Hearthstone post, like, Forged in the Barons without Steeler. So it's going to be mm -hmm. it's going to be fun to see, you know, what the, the best players have kind of, you know, done and thought up when it comes to these spicy wild lineups. Um, but yeah, so let's dive into our episode. Um, you know, we got to take care of our usual housekeeping things first. So the first thing... Just a reminder to leave a like, comment, and subscribe if you guys enjoy the content. It's a small thing, whether you're listening on podcast or the YouTube channel itself. It's a small thing, but it does support us a ton. In addition to that, we'd like to thank our newest patrons for uh, this week. At the rare tier, we have Andrew Baranyai and Anthony Gomez. So thank you both for helping support the podcast. Yeah, and as patrons, you can, of course, link your Patreon and Discord accounts when you come and join the podcast discord server um that is open to everyone however so come join in if you enjoy the podcast you want to come interact with the community and all of the wild hearthstone players uh yeah come join come hang out it, it's a good place yeah and this wouldn't be the 50th episode without us doing something a little bit special um it's really hard for us we were talking about this before when we were planning the episode it's really hard for us to go back and top like the xr episode and so we're gonna try <laughs> we're gonna do something small right uh we're gonna be doing some giveaways uh, we're going to be giving away some wild packs, so if you guys want to find out how you can enter that giveaway, uh, make sure you guys stay tuned until the end of the episode. We'll give you some details then. Alright, so let's hop into some Hearthstone news. Ruffle already alluded to this earlier. Steeler Souls got banned on Wednesday. Uh, pretty big change, right? Obviously the first ban, we talked about this last week. Um, and so now we've finally gotten to experience the wild meta post Wailing Caverns. Uh, you know, it's only been a couple days, <laughs> you know as we're recording this but what are y'all's first impressions you know what what's wailing caverns impact been on the wild format uh, it's been a very familiar metagame i think this is kind of as we predicted and what we you know discussed even uh before steel or souls was released things were kind of reverting back to this uh just as a result of the the nerfs um so Forged in the Barrens was a high-impact expansion, so much so that a lot of stuff ended up getting nerfed, which brings us back, I think, to, to where <laughs> we were beforehand. So uh, I've been seeing a lot of Secret Mage. Uh, Priest feels like it's a class again. Uh, that's been one of the most notable things, is that um, you know Anduin's no longer afraid to come out because of all of the uh, the Steeler Souls nonsense. So like... Uh, we got to maybe experience a little bit about of the uh, the delete priest dream. I hated it. Um, you know that's not necessarily a, a result of uh, a, of priest doing anything, but like the 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 alternative it wasn't great either. So um, you know we're back to having some priest, and it kind of feels like you can play decks that make it past turn seven or so, or intend to play past turn seven or so. So. Uh, I've been enjoying myself. Um, again, you know, I'm hopeful that uh, upcoming expansions are somewhere in between <laughs> uh, yeah. the Forged and the Barons and what we've had in the past where maybe not necessarily as they're too strong to where they get 
reeled in and we end up, you know, right where we are now, but maybe not, um, you know, as, as just kind of objectively broken as some of the, uh, archetypes that were born out of fortune and the barons or were amplified by fortune and the barons were yeah it, there is this uh reverting like you're talking about and you know the stealer warlock nerf has made you know things like priest a lot more playable and so that's come back uh, a lot stronger um there is kind of one exception though and that is shaman where shaman fun fact at diamond shaman is now the second most popular class since the uh, Steel of Nerfs happened, and it's been the third most since the mini set as a whole. And at Legend, since the Steel of Warlock change, or the ban, um, Shaman is the most popular class. Let's it go. beats out Warlock. It beats out Warlock by 0.2% currently. So it is right there. It has 18.9% representation at Legend right now, based on the VS sample of games, which is nuts. <laughs> like, Shaman is the most popular class. There's so much experimentation going on with Shaman with different shells, with a sh uh, Shutterwalk, Reno, Galakrond, um, all this kind of stuff all built around the, the Elementals and the Dungeoneer and the Flurgal Toxfin package. And I think that that is the big thing that we are going to keep on experimenting with and that's the big change that we're going to be seeing from this mini-cert as a whole. Yeah, I was about to say, it feels like Shaman's the only thing that got anything from the Wailing Caverns, right? That wasn't stealer of souls and so it kind of makes sense yeah. why it's so popular i'd be really interested in like a couple of weeks once people have figured out what's good and what's not and how to beat shaman that's super popular i wonder if it stays you know at a super high popularity and a super high power level and i honestly i hope it does because man i have missed playing shaman i love shaman it gets to do so much random cool things right like what i love in a class is the fact that it like can do a whole variety of things which is why i don't like priest it only does the one thing in wild right does or i guess two arena priest and big priest shaman just with primal mm. dungeoneer you can have like six or seven different decks and they all have different strategies and win cons and i love it and it's amazing and it doesn't i don't know flurgal talks might feel a little bit un, like unfair to play against but the rest of the shaman you know shell like it doesn't feel bad to play against or like lose to um we can maybe talk about Flurgal Toxin a little bit later, but yeah, I I am not, you know, mad that Shaman's, you know, super no. popular. I'm not, you know, frustrated playing against it, which I think is a really good sign <laughs> when it comes to, uh, you know, yeah. a popular deck archetype. I think it's got a couple things going for it right now. There's um, the, the the novelty of it, right? It's been a while since uh, Shaman has had anything. Like, even even Murloc Shaman is a fairly new deck that was really born out of uh, Forged in the Barons. So, you know, there's some still some novelty associated with that. But with the, um, the Battlecry Elemental type... Um, Really, just Dungeoneer. Dungeoneer decks, uh, I think we can probably call them. Uh, there's, there's a lot of novelty associated with that, which... Uh, as we talked about in previous weeks, even just with that card being released, there's a lot of um, refinement going on. So there's kind of exploration mm -hmm. involved in the archetype, which really makes it fun to play. We don't know what the optimal list is, and we've been talking about that for a while. Is it going towards the Galakron package? Is it a Reno Shaman? Is, are both perfectly viable uh, shells and... Yeah, I think that's it's exciting to have um, in an eternal format where so much is kind of like static, uh, just as mm -hmm. a nature of like the length of time when cards are or archetypes are in existence. Like, you know, I always go back to something like the old Exodium Age, where it's like, okay, research project got released. So obviously, you throw that in as your your card draw. So it's like you get new cards, but it, there's no refinement exploration it's just like okay this card good put it in deck and then you know deck better now so like the, the with shaman there's a a different feeling associated with it because we don't know there's a there's unknown associated with it yeah and that is just because it has been so long right until these types of archetypes have seen since these types of archetypes have been really playable um this has been such a, like an information gap as we've kind of gotten all these new tools, but no one's ever really been using them very much. <laughs> so we just don't know. And you're right, that is really exciting. Shaman is a class, though, that I think is just generally a little bit hard to figure out right now, like even beside the fact that it's new. Um, there's a lot of Shaman refinement going on at Standard as well right now. So it's, it's both formats uh, seem to be going through the same sort of process. Um, but yeah, it's gotten a lot of attention. Like I said, it's relatively unrefined 
I would say. And so the fact that it is this popular, the fact that the win rates are this high, um, and the fact that, like Meowth said, it doesn't tend to feel that bad to lose to with, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the other stuff, the uh, the Toxin Flurgle, perhaps. Um, but I'm very happy with this kind of more mid-rangey style, and it just feels different compared to a lot of what the other things in Wild are currently doing, like what are the other Dex and archetypes currently do. Yeah, all right, let's go ahead and talk about Flurgle Talks, okay? We've been alluding to this. Let's go ahead and move our conversation this route. One of the reasons Primal Dungeoneer has kind of completely revitalized Shaman and Wild is the fact that you have this ability to draw Ice Fishing, which was already super powerful in our format because you had Flurgle Toxfin that got introduced in Forge of the Barrens. And the consistency of that combo now, giving you a one-sided board clear, kind of not on demand, but kind of also on demand, is part of the reason why Shaman as a whole is so strong, and you can just shove it in literally any archetype. Right? Aggressive decks, mid-range decks, control decks, arena decks. It's just the package of cards goes in everything. Um, I, I do want to touch on Flurgle Talks in, in a couple ways. The first thing, I feel like this is going to be the next thing that people are going to complain about. We were complaining about Dark Lair for a million years. Penflinger got nerfed. It, it kind of went away. Now it's back. Maybe we can talk about Dark Lair as well. Um, and then Steeler Souls came out. Everybody was complaining about that. And now I feel like... The community is going to be looking for this next thing to complain about, and I just have this feeling that Flurgle Talks is going to be that because it's, I don't know, man. It's a one sorted one sided board wipe for three mana that you can tutor, is just obscenely powerful. Um, it's carrying an entire class right now. Is yeah. I think the only like reasonable comparison is maybe like Skipper Barov, which you know didn't really get a whole lot of complaints and even though you could tutor the skippers with uh Ankar, but that's only half of the uh the pieces so it's a, it's basically just becomes a more consistent version of um, of that with in something like you know a, a full murloc deck the potential to not only make it a one-sided um board clear but a repetitive one-sided board clear um you know if you're able to play additional murlocs behind it which yeah, we'll talk about that um, as in the future as well. But like, um, yeah, it, it's definitely stronger than uh, Skipper Barov as a result of like ice fishing. Um, I don't know what the solution is though. So um, other than maybe just not fully committing it into Shaman, uh, which it has downsides on its of its own so but it's kind of interesting that you get so much value off of ice fishing that you're not like you're happy when you get a low value primal dungeoneer hit right like <laughs> you're because you get so much cards off the back end that you're just like okay i drew a frost spell let's uh let's keep it rolling so yeah the uh i have it pinned in my discord the the prediction which is that in six to eight weeks the community is going to be just completely molding just losing their mind about this whole flurgle toxfin on the reddit posts and the twitter posts and things like that um yeah so so this like combination of cards is obviously obscenely powerful it's one of the absolute most powerful things you can do in wild which is kind of crazy um and it is highly highly consistent right with the primal dungeoneer because you run a deck that only runs maybe three spells or something like that um, where you have the ice fishing and then a couple of your key cards with those like tidal surges in slower shaman decks or um, invocation of frost in galakrond um, maybe you go up to like a fifth spell fourth fifth but either way you keep this very consistent package um, and it means that you know this 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 combination coming up by turn five uh, happens all the time um i personally don't really have that much of a problem with it at all really like i'm fine there being powerful things in this format um and I'm fine with it being Shaman as well. Uh, it, it is sort of carrying the class a bit right now. But again, Shaman's been so long sort of in the dumpster that I think the moment... Like, this interaction has existed for a while. And just because Shaman's kind of, like, good now doesn't mean I'm suddenly going to be like, well, bands? Blizzard bands? Can we get local band in our, in our format? Um, no, I think it's fine. And I think that overall um hopefully it keeps promoting a diverse set of archetypes within the shaman class um because you know maybe having a very powerful answer to multiple eight eights on turn four isn't the worst thing in the world in the meta true, uh, true. i mean maybe multiple giants on turn four in the meta is a problem of its own that we need to address but i'm totally okay with virgo <laughs> toxin being a thing 
I don't know. It just kind of makes sense that Shaman, the board control class, has one of the best, like, board control packages, right, in Flickle Talks. And like I said, it doesn't even feel that bad to lose to because it's like, yeah, it's a board wipe, but then it's very, it's a three health Murloc, right? And most decks have the ability to clear that. I, I say most. It's um, it, it's still novel as well. Yeah. Like, so mm-hmm. it doesn't feel that bad because it's, like, That's, new. Yeah. Like, it, there have been Murloc Shaman decks, but it wasn't, you know, on demand as much. So. Oh, you know, there are times too where it's kind of telegraphed uh, as well, just like by the nature of the the ice fishing. So, um, you know, if you see your opponent playing ice fishing and you dump your hand, that's kind of on you. <laughs> like, the, so there there is a degree of like uh, you know predictability with it where you can better play around it, and I think that that makes for interesting decisions in a card game. Like, you sh- well, well. There, there's the argument that maybe you shouldn't play around it because maybe your opponent is doing this thing that we talked about last week where they're running Mutanis and they're running three Murlocs in their deck instead of two. Um, so last week, flashback, Corbett was asking, he's like, I, I want to do the math and see you know, how, how bad is running three Murlocs. Somebody beat Corbett to the punch. And I feel I really weird quoting... <laughs> I, I feel really weird quoting Reddit, okay? Um, oh, this is a fantastic post, though. Yes. Like just across the board the the information was good it was well written and i like it was, it was a great post yeah i don't know any of the math behind this i do not know what a monte carlo is but i trust the fact that they know what this is and they knew how to run the simulation and um god i don't remember the program that they used uh matlab which is like they're using words that i recognize so i like i trust the post okay <laughs> but whether I should or not, maybe I don't know. But basically, the conclusion here, I'll, we'll we'll drop the link down in the description if you guys want to get the the full read. But essentially, if you're only running two Murlocs, if you're only running the Flurgle Talks, the likelihood that you have ice fishing and Flurgle Talks in your hand on turn five is forty percent. The moment you introduce Mutanis into the equation, your your likelihood of drawing the Flurgle Talks combo decreases by ten percent. And so the question becomes, is that 10, 10 to 11% deficit that you're gaining, or you're losing, I guess, because you're running Mutanis, being made up with Mutanis winning you games? I highly doubt Mutanis is swinging your percentage by 11%. Mutanis should not be in your decks with Fergal Talks, right? Because it is making the most powerful thing you can do in your class in this format less consistent, which I think is a very big deal. Right, so a, a few considerations. This is specifically, for, like, I don't think it matters that much, but this is specifically for a uh, Reno Shaman uh, deck. So mm-hmm. um, not that you're going to be running, you know, duplicates of Flurgle, obviously, or Ice Fishing when you're, um, you know, only running a handful of Murlocs. And we, we say Mutanis, it could mean any, literally any other yeah. Murloc as well. It's just your third Murloc significantly reduces the consistency of the, the Ice Fishing. I think that there are a few uh, additional considerations that were brought up in the post itself as well. And this is something that we've talked about that, um, you know, that it's that decrease is basically drawing that um, the that combination of Murlocs in the early turns. So that uh, 10 or 11 percent is by a certain point. Now, obviously, against, you know, Dark Glare Warlock aggressive decks, you need it earlier. And so one consideration that's being uh posed in something that we discussed even prior to um you know this this post going out and in past episodes is where mutana shines is um obviously not in those aggro matchups but also probably not in the combo matchups as well it was brought up that like if it becomes a more reno heavy metagame uh it might be worth that decrease in um in percentages against aggro if you're gaining something against those uh value-based uh reno decks now we're a far cry from uh, from that type of slow metagame, so I don't. I, I think we can probably agree that um, that you know, running Mutanis is probably not giving you the uh, best chance of, of winning games of Hearthstone. But as the author of this post said, uh, I I actually can't tell you not to run Mutanis because I've been having fun with them and uh, big same. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm okay losing games um, just to eat some minions into my opponent's hand, but it's I recognize that it's probably not optimal for the uh, the current wild landscape. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure if the post also accounts for Primal Dungeoneer uh, being able to tutor the ice fishing and whether that changes anything at all. Um, but yeah, so so basically though, when reading through, my main takeaway was, okay, so we've been shown the math, it probably means that Mutanus isn't good enough. Um, just because that, that decrease um, does seem like a little bit too significant. Again, it's kind of just mostly eyeballing things and going, oh, does this feel right? Is like, like, is that enough percentage that we lose? Like, there's no real math behind it. Um, aside from just seeing what the odds are and saying, yeah, this is good enough. Um, and I, th I think like that, that loss of percentage is too much. And so I'd probably just go to that double Murloc deck, um, which is the local Tox. The, the Mutanus though in particular is really good in the mirror. Um, if you want to play like Shadow Walk Mirrors, the, uh, the Mutinous is very strong there. So, I mean, maybe it'll just be like a, a counter to Shaman once Shaman overtakes Dark Lair and things like that. Um, as it's bound to happen in a week or what two. What a dream right? world that would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, I, we talked last week about this, like, equivalence to Ticketus, and it feels very same and like, well, it hurts your matchups against aggro, are you okay giving up those percentages against aggro for the percentages that you're gaining against lower decks? Um, and, and the thing to me is, I think Rena locks can kind of get by with that a little bit easier because they're Rena decks and they're Warlock decks, where the ice fishing package, like we've been talking about, is like the most powerful thing Shaman can do in our format. And... Like, it is single-handedly resurrecting the class in combination with Primal Engineer, and so making that combo of cards less consistent just feels, like, mm -hmm. just feels so incorrect to me. Um, like, yes, if you're queuing to a bunch of Shadowwalk Mirrors, all power to you. If you're not trying to play an optimal deck and you just love munching away in your opponent's hand, all power to you. But, like, competitively optimizing a deck, I do not... I, cannot in good conscience say that like mutanus has any place in the shaman decks i just can't yeah i no. um i was very impressed though playing against mutanus moving away from shaman just short like quickly mm -hmm. uh playing against it in odd warrior um I, I met a number of odd warriors that were running mutanus and i thought it was actually very quite strong there um and also some rena locks uh there was a rena lock that I, I played against multiple times and i was like oh this is actually pretty impressive um it, it does just really body those slower matchups. Like, it is it is really impressive in, like, the Reno mirrors in particular. Raffle was yeah, right. It, Raffle was right. <laughs> it's, well, yeah, it's good. It, it's good for managing uh, hand advantage. You can you can do that a couple of ways. I, I mean, this goes back to my preference in, in playing mono black control in uh, MTG. Like, you can either do that by drawing cards yourself or by removing cards from your opponent's hand to, to gain uh, card advantage. And so um, I think that we need to maybe stop looking at uh, Mutanus as a combo disruptor and more as a value uh, late game disruptor. And it, yeah, I think that more, the more I think about it, the more I think that that uh, comparison to Ticketus is apt, where you are giving up significant game against aggro because of the, the void color, um, you know, downside in the same way that you are um, with, um, with Mutanus and the ice fishing. But I think the reason people get hung up on it so much is like what is more memorable when uh, of an outcome when you play these types of cards when you chow down on, or on your opponent's win condition or blow up five cards that they needed for their combo or when you get stuck with this uh, card in hand that for the first three turns and your opponent just steamrolls you with um, you know with an aggressive start you probably just move on from that and you know don't really blame the card that's sitting in your hand even though it could very well be at fault i think it'll be more noticeable in um in in shaman decks just by nature of when you pull a nice fishing and miss the uh one of the you know board clear combos you're going to notice that and you're going to remember that so i think it'll be maybe a little bit more of a deterrent um in in reno shaman but i think eventually yeah it's probably going to fall out of favor unless things slow down significantly it's it was it was interesting reading this post and seeing like some of the math line up with um you know what we had kind of figured was the case intuitively but it's you know it's good to get confirmation on that because you know some things um that are intuitive end up being wrong so it's it, you know i appreciate that somebody took the time to um to work this out 
Um, so let's move on to talking a little bit more big picture. Uh, I don't want to use the word tier list because I know that has a scary connotation with some people. Um, so I just want to talk kind of just general feelings about the meta. I know we've only had a couple days since Steeler got nerfed, and I know it's only been a few weeks uh, since the mini set came out as a whole. Uh, but just kind of general impressions. What are what are the top power level decks, the decks to beat? Um, and I know we got Dark Lair and Secret Mage. I know everybody loves to hate those decks, and everybody already knows to hate those. But are there other things that people should be keeping an eye on, uh, you know, when they're building their decks, or you know, if they're trying to hit high, uh, high legend ranks? Well, I think that uh, we've talked about this in the past, but I think the ones that uh, come up for me uh, with it, uh, decks that uh, people should be playing but never are are kind of the the Baku decks, uh, like the aggressive Baku decks. That is that like they're they're not. They're not exciting. They haven't changed a whole lot, but they're just solid decks. So Odd Paladin, uh, Odd Rogue, and even Odd Demon Hunter are probably worth considering right now, uh, even without you know the ability to for some of those more aggressive ones to bully uh, the Steeler Souls decks. They're still just solid decks. Uh, the consistency of an upgraded hero power cannot be overstated, and um, you know it's just they're just good decks but like they're kind of samey so people are less likely to play them pirate warrior probably falls into that category as well uh secret mage to a lesser extent but i think people like it's been the top dog in many people's minds for so long that like it um it still has like the clarity of the community of it being a very strong deck. I don't know what it is that's different about secret mage compared to some of those other decks when you know, they're comparable in terms of, of power level for sure, especially something like Odd Paladin and maybe even uh, Pirate Warrior. Uh, one thing that I've been noticing, I'm not sure necessarily about the consistency of it, but um, I've been really intrigued by the just full aggro Pirate Rogue. Um, it really gets on me on you quickly. It doesn't have the... Um, Spe uh, the, it doesn't require the setup that it, maybe a king's main does, so it doesn't necessarily have the same um, explosiveness over the course of the game. But it like it really gets on you quickly. I'm curious to see how that lines up. I don't know how to evaluate that deck because um, you know when I'm playing something silly, it uh, just kind of steamrolls me. So that that biases <laughs> the the outcome a little bit. I don't know if it's going to be able to keep pace with some of those decks that. I mentioned that better managed the uh, the board state like an odd paladin or even a pirate warrior can probably um, you know out pressure it. So uh, that, that's a deck I've been keeping an eye on, and um, but I'm I'm not sure exactly how to evaluate it right now just because I'm not playing. I haven't played it, and I haven't played a deck that like is intending to uh, to beat it. So I. I would tend to de defer to you guys in terms of uh, evaluating. Um, you know the standing of certain decks about what's working in the metagame so I'll, I'll pass things on to to either you or corb now yeah so i think there are the main three uh you hit on two of them um that stand out to me is secret mage dark lair and the third one would be odd paladin i think odd paladin is the other deck that even though it's not quite as popular um i think those are the three like very established archetypes that uh the best right now i think pirate warrior is also very very good um particularly if you're perhaps in the like climb to legend in the diamond or at a 10 times mmr like that kind of range because it is really good against secret mage and secret mage is more popular at that rank bracket um but yeah part war is really good as well um so those like the big like three to four i would say there's a lot of other decks though that you know um are either underplayed people might not realize they're quite good um, or have been benefiting a lot from the Steeler Warlock, and so it's a little bit hard to judge. For example, Odd Demon Hunter has been fantastic since the mini set um, came out because it beat Steeler Warlocks really, really badly. Uh, so we'll see how that ends up playing out, though, without that Steeler Warlock to farm on. There's also a lot of the Shaman stuff. The Shaman decks look like they have borderline tier one win rates, right? And I, they're very unrefined. I don't actually understand how they're winning this much. <laughs> But the HS replay stuff that we have and like the other stats that we can look at, um, the win rate for Shaman decks in general is just insanely high. And I, I don't really understand. And we'll see in what that direction goes. There's also some other ones like Even Hunter. Even Hunter's another deck, much like Odd Demon Hunter, which it's not necessarily the best, but it's been very, very good so far and a lot better than people might think. Um, 
and we'll see if that plays out as you know the meta changes and things uh without steel or warlock but yeah those are the big three and then there's pirate warrior and the uh you know a whole bunch of decks that i think are underplayed but pretty solid um and we'll see where things go arena priest is going to get better and you know there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's just kind of bubbling in like that two, tier two right tier two kind of range whether that's odd rogue or the scimitar rogue which ruffle mentioned um but yeah that's kind of my general general feel of things right now and we'll see how things develop yeah i the only decks that i want to add on to that um kingsbane rogue uh, has kind of finally you know finished its refinement i guess because everybody's like playing very similar lists save like one or two cards uh, i know people are on that blade flurry train um but that feels really really good uh i love that you mentioned even hunter um loving that deck for a very long time big fan of even hunter um i and i do think that rena priest uh you know will be making a comeback it picks on a lot of these decks that we have mentioned you know it does still lose to glare it's still like slightly unfavorable against mage but it's pretty good against a lot of these other aggressive decks that we've been mentioning uh so just keep an eye out on that uh as well um i do want to kind of extend this question do you guys think that there are decks that are being like significantly overplayed by people right now that now that stealer of souls has been banned you know we probably shouldn't be playing it um or maybe not even related to stealer souls like just don't have insanely high win rates uh from what we're seeing and so you know besides fun factor probably shouldn't be playing it i i really can't think of anything to be honest mm, okay. um i think that there really isn't too much like tier three tier four kind of stuff that's seeing a ton of play right now um or like something that looks significantly disproportionate um the wild player base has been very effective for a while now at actually playing the good stuff like we've mentioned this in previous reports that we've done for vicious syndicate where often the like six or seven or eight most played decks happen to be like six or seven or eight best decks um and so nothing really jumps out to me as as a deck that is significantly overplayed there's still stuff like alignment druid and i don't know mazaki is here and there but they're not like huge portions of the meta at all um like odd warrior as well like they're they're mostly just sort of niche picks um that don't make up that much of ladder so no i think the player base in general been been pretty pretty accurate and pretty good at picking up what the uh the good stuff is even if some of the absolute best stuff is still underplayed like old pally and glare and so on <laughs> yeah i think that um the closest thing that I've been, the, the most popular jank I've been seeing has been like Reno Shamans, but it turns out that's just a good deck. And so, like, yeah, it's just good. So, uh, yeah. yeah, people are, are, um, are playing it. I, I have seen a fair, like, I, I obviously play at different ranks than the, the two of you, but like, I have seen a noticeable decline in those, uh, as you mentioned, uh, alignment and Mazaki Mage just because I don't think that they have, um, the best matchups in in the the metagame right now i think that people are still maybe like reluctantly dipping their toes back into priest and if we see some more priests come up those decks might uh, start returning so i think that um when priest is deleted as an archetype you lose the the decks that um that beat it too so it's not just the the loss of priest that you're mourning um when stealer of souls is ending games on turn four so I will say one deck that people should not be playing, and I feel per personally responsible for this, just because I I've put out a couple tweets and videos about this deck, and uh, Agro Shaman. Um, I think that's like the oh. one Shaman deck that is complete and yeah. total bait. Um, I had an obscenely high win rate with the deck when I initially started playing it. Um, I did mention that it was probably because I was queuing into a ton of Steeler Warlocks, um, and it turns out it was 100% because I was queuing into a ton of Steeler Warlocks, because post-patch... Um, that kind of sucks against anything else that's aggressive. And so it it feels really, really, I don't know, it's it's very high rolly, right? Like you have those explosive openers and you can just absolutely decimate a lot of decks. But the moment you don't have that, or you come into something like an odd paladin that has, you know, broomstick or has a pirate warrior that has cannon, then you're just losing the game, which feels kind of really bad. So I, I take responsibility for that i'll own up to that but uh but yeah you guys should not be playing agro shaman it feels like it still needs a couple more tools to come back to its former glory it turns out an, a deck that looks to end the game on turn four benefits from a 
a deck that doesn't do anything for the first four turns. So, <laughs> turns out. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, I think there's still a little bit of room to go with Aggro Shaman, where, like, I think there is the current builds that are out there aren't amazing. Um, Thanks, dude. Way to shout me out. Okay, cool. I see how it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 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 hey. I also, I also played Aggro Shaman um, to success temporarily. Uh, but I think that, like, in general, um, things like Zappa just aren't very good in the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and they haven't performed very well. Things like Lightning Bloom, which is something else that people have been playing. Um, so those cards are probably not great. And I think that the biggest issue I had with the Aggro Shaman was that, like, it just ran out of stuff very, very, very quickly. And I think there might be something to, like, a slightly higher curve, like something that was more like a you know even ran up to like the li- lily pad potentially um maybe we can take some inspiration from some of the standard decks that curve up to like fire elemental um because i think like some of the early game shaman stuff is still pretty disgusting like the some of the like kindling elemental you know the new what, what do we call it again elemental worm um the one three <laughs> like some of those openers are still really great it's just the deck kind of just gets gassed out and uh you know just dies like a priest and can't beat Reno Jackson, things like that. So maybe maybe with a bit more, you know, value, maybe there's a way to do it. But, I, yeah. yeah, I have been messing around with a list that runs uh, Thunderheads and Vecinas and is, like, more mid-rangey because it, like, mm-hmm. goes for, like, turn 5, turn 6 kills. Um, and it's felt better than the Agri Shaman, but it also, like, has this issue where it doesn't beat Reno Jackson, right? Very similar to, like, right. Even Hunter kind of vibes where it's, like, the moment they play Reno, you play against a Reno deck, you're kind of just, like, auto-conceding a lot of the time. Um, and it still has that issue with refill. But it, I, I do agree there is room for refinement, but it also feels like it's still missing, like, one yeah. or two really, really powerful cards to give me a reason to play Aggro Shaman over, like, one of the other five or six really, really good Shaman archetypes we have right now. Um, just because it also feels like that's, like... Honestly, we should probably be playing Flurgle Talks in that deck. Like, real talk. Um... But it also is like the one deck that's not (laughs) running it, so maybe that's part of the issue. I was going to say, the thing that that deck is missing is Ice Fishing, and the the combo associated with that is that, like, that's, again, we just keep going back to that. That's the broken thing Shaman has right now. Um, All right, so let's let's wrap things up. Let's move on to our last segment of the episode. Let's talk about our decks of the week. Um, Of course, we had to bring back this segment because, you know, we just had a brand new patch, and we have a brand, brand new metagame um we have a shaman metagame uh so let's uh let's talk about our three decks we promise they're not all shaman even if it's gonna seem like it um so i'll go ahead and start off uh with kind of a mid-rangey galakrond shaman um so this list was heavily inspired by martian and romanu i think we ultimately came to like the same 30 cards um and so this deck plays just the pretty strong elemental early game with stuff like kindling elemental wailing vapor uh, Cage Match Custodian into Wackanol, and then you have the Arid Stormer. Um, man, this combination of like Kindling Elemental on one into like Arid Stormer on two has very strong like mm-hmm. it just bodies a lot of anti. Uh, it bodies a lot of aggro decks. It's a very very strong combination of cards. Um, and then we run. I'll go ahead and run through the list for you guys. So we got double Firefly, double Invocation of Frost, double Kindling Elemental, one Toxin, double Wailing Vapor. Double Cage Match, Double Earthen Might, Firemancer Florgal, Ice Fishing, Double Stormer, Double Dungeoneer, Double Portal, Double Hammer, Zentino, Kazakis, Golem Shaper, Corrupt Elementalist, two of those, Lotheb, Galakrond, and Shutterwalk. Uh, so the, the one thing that you guys might be noticing, I know we've talked a lot about Dungeoneer is really, really powerful if you're running a small number of spells that you can kind of tutor the Ice Fishing. Um, I took this inspiration from, from Martian, um... We're running seven spells, but the Earthen Mites and the Serpent Shrine Portals in combination with Zentimo are just, like, absolutely insane. As well as just being, like, solid cards when you're running a bunch of elementals in your deck in a more mid-rangey style. Um, and then, obviously, you have, like, the Zentimo Invocation of Frost combination. So, whether this is better than, like, just running, like, Devoted Maniacs and Dragon's Packs and stuff like that, I'm not sure. But it's sure a lot of fun. And the amount of, like surprise damage you can get from Zentimo Earthen Mites is pretty sick, right? I, I've had some turns where you go Zentimo, Invocation of Frost on three minions, and then you like Earthen Might, the three elementals you get, and then, oh, Ooh. it's beautiful, it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the deck's a lot of fun to play. It's just mid-range shaman, really, honestly, is what it is. Um, 
and it does the broken thing, right? Ice fishing uh, into Flurgle talks, but it does a lot of other broken stuff with uh, the elementals themselves. And then Kazakus. Kazakus is the card that I'm still like, God, I can't get like a good feeling on whether the card is good and wild or not. You know, it just, I, I like the Kazakus and the board buff from the, the five drop golem that you get is like absolutely disgusting in the sec because you're so good at having board. But I still, I still don't know if it's like the nuts or not. But I've had a lot of fun playing this deck. I had a fifteen and six score, so that's like a seventy percent win rate in Legend with it. Um, so it's performing; it's doing really, really well. Um, and again, I want to shout outs to to Martian Romanu who kind of came up with this, and I, I stole it and did my own little twist on it. So yeah, it's uh, it, like you said that kindling elemental into. Arid Stormer just feels like it wins games, but then you follow that up with the Wackanol, and oh my god, there's just no coming back from from that. That's yeah. one of the the best feelings uh, in, with these types of decks. I played something similar even uh, early on with the uh, within the Barons, and yeah, it's 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 pretty nutty. All right, so I guess we'll go into my list next, which is also a Shaman deck. Um, this time price. a little. <laughs> yeah, I, I did mention last week that I cannot stop myself from playing Shaman, but this is a, a little bit goofier, although I did have a reasonable uh, win rate with the deck, but I'll go through the cards um, to start things off. So it's got double armor vendor, a copy of Corrupt the Waters, Glacial Shard, double tour guide, sorry, two Glacial Shards, double tour guide, single Toxfin, double Devolve, Firemancer Flurgle, a single Ice Fishing, double Sandstorm Elemental, double Healing Rain, double Primal Dungeoneer, a single Tidal Surge, Zola the Gorgon, double Serenite Chain Gang, double South Sea Scoundrel, a Lotheb, a Talon Forging, Grumble, one Unseen Saboteur, Mutanus the Devourer, of course, and Shutterwalk at the top end. So the idea behind this deck is um, to essentially torture the opponent is, is really the end goal. But given the fact that it does have um, Dungeoneer, Ice Fishing, um, Flurgle, Toxfin, even with the uh, the third Murloc, I did you know I did just win games against Aggro with that. I had a little bit more um, you know stall with things like Healing Rain as well as even Tidal Surge was surprisingly good. I was kind of skeptical of running that many spells, but uh, the new Tidal Surge is is pretty good like it is a significant increase in being able to uh, consistently draw that off of the the dungeoneer in times when you needed it was uh was helpful so you've got that um clears against aggro again you can heal up to stall a little bit before going in on your um uh, on your full, full board clear with the uh Florgal, uh toxin but then on the the top end the idea is to assemble a south sea scoundrel which you have two of so it shouldn't be that hard as well as the uh unseen saboteur and mutanus to essentially draw the opponent cards and then immediately either remove them from hand by chowing down on them with Mutanus or uh, playing them with Unseen Saboteur. You do have a little bit of control over it in terms of the spells that you're playing with the uh, the Saboteur. I will say, um, deck probably did get worse when I added the uh, the South Sea uh, Scoundrel just because like the speed at which decks can play cards in wild is pretty absurd. So giving Pirate Warrior, for example, cards wasn't always the best idea. Um, so the like that's that's kind of a, a, a goofy inclusion, but um, it did feel good. Um, you know, not only wiping an entire big priest board with the uh, the Florgal Toxfin, but then preventing them from being able to develop behind that by um, by just eating the minions from their hand repeatedly with the um, uh, with the Mutanus. So I think uh, I was playing at like the uh, the diamond two to one band and uh, maintained a 67, 62% win rate with the, the deck. So again, uh, a lot of that was um, just playing the good cards and winning that way. So like a defensive uh, shaman deck with the, uh, you know, on demand board clear uh, is pretty good. And then I had some late game um, shenanigans for, you know, any deck that looked to, um, to go towards the, the later turns or work their way out there. Yeah, I was uh, I was looking at Scoundrel um, when building other decks in Wild because a lot of the uh, standard decks are running it, like Control Priest. And so I did have a look at it and I was like, is there any use for this, especially with the um, new Nazoth? 
um, just because it's a you know it's a bigger pirate. Um, but yeah, I also really like the title surge that you you mentioned. The title surge is actually really strong. I kind of dismissed it a little bit too quickly, I think. Um, when I thought this healing rain was going to be strictly better, but then I tried title surge in a shadow walk deck, and I was really impressed with that card. I think that that buff was super important. So. Yeah. yeah, Tidal Surge was one of the casualties of uh, wanting to include South Sea Scoundrel, so I could definitely yeah. see the second copy going back in, and I would agree that in most cases it's like it is better than uh, Healing Rain, because not only are you getting some healing off of it, but you're preventing repetitive damage from coming in over the course of future turns, so yeah, it, it, I think that that card overperformed, but I ended up cutting it because uh, <laughs> I, I wanted to goof around. Content. You cut it for the content. Makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> And the final deck that we have, not a shaman deck, sorry to break the uh, the pattern here, but we have Dead Man's Hand Warrior, uh, Frenzy Dead Man's Hand Warrior from Absolute. Um, so I played this deck a lot on stream uh, the other day and went pretty well with it. I had a really good time. I really like playing Dead Man's Hand decks. So the list is double armor vendor, double Eternium Rover, two Risky Skippers, two Shield Slams, Double Town Cryer, Double Armorsmith, Double Battle Rage, Two Dead Man's Hands, Two Rats, An Anchor, Two Bloodsworn Mercenary, Barov, Outrider's Axe, Two of, Two Stone Maul Anchorman, A Crash, The New Turtle, and uh, Two Brutes with the Overlord Sawfang. So basically, this is running that same kind of Dead Man's, shell, Dead Man's Hand shell that um, people are very familiar with. It's just instead of running the Cold Light sort of win condition we're looking at this frenzy package where we have the overload um overlord sawfang to bring back the the anchorman and so that way you can like shuffle it in play it draw some cards the next turn dead man's hand shuffle it in play it draw some cards and kind of just loop that uh end game threat and board control um you can also like bring back crash and get a absolute ton of armor so i had a really good time with this um, the list felt very clean to me in terms of how it was built, so again, shoutouts to Absolute for that. Um, and yeah, I also had the chance to do some really sick Armorsmith Bloodsworn Mercenary plays, which were very fun. Um, there was a Mazaki mage I played against where I managed to accumulate 80 armor, um, <laughs> which was, uh, quite fun. Um, so they, yeah, I really appreciate Did they kill you? That's the... the important question. Did they kill you through the AR? No, no, we, we really wanted to find out. Like, we were all super curious, but then I just ratted the Mazaki anyway. Oh. So it was like, very anticlimactic. <sighs> um, <on>. yeah. <laughs> I know, but uh, a really fun take on Dead Man's Hand, and definitely like a very satisfying win condition, um, compared to the alternative like Cold Lights and Nazoth and things like that. Itching to try a version like this, and um, this looks, looks pretty clean. I, I haven't seen a lot of uh bloodsworn mercenaries but like it, it makes sense in the deck right like it gives you some flexibility in terms of um what you want to do with it it can you know give you additional copies of uh you know even your frenzy minions if you want to like play towards a certain minion because you don't have mm -hmm. necessarily certainty with them so yeah I, I like the idea or even like you said just the uh the armor smith gain a bunch of armor feels good yeah yeah i was I've never really been a fan of like the Colette Oracle Dead Man's Hand just because like I dislike the the mill game plan, but this like <laughs> this doesn't mill the opponent, so like this seems like and it also seems like a lot less clunky, right? A lot less combo pieces because you can tempo out the Anchormans and the crushes like in the mid game, and so it probably just feels like a a lot smoother. I was watching you play and I was like, yeah, yeah. this this feels good to play, so I might actually have to become a cultist, you know. For for the first time in my life, and play some Dead Man's Hand because they're, it was they're always willing, always willing to take on more members. Don't worry, they're very <laughs> welcoming. Uh, it, it's good to hear. By appearances, it looks like there are fewer cards that can kind of get stuck in in mm. hand, like brawls and that type of thing too. So the, like it, it seems like less effort involved in paring down your hand in order to get the ideal Dead Man's Hand. You can just kind of play your cards until you're left with the good cards, and then play those cards repeatedly. Yeah, definitely. It felt it felt far less clunky and a far lot. Uh, smoother whereas when i was playing cold light games it often felt like i was just i wasn't allowed to look at chat and i was just like laser focused on the games and it was just like sweating bullets trying to figure out what i was doing um this felt a lot smoother like i could just play out my my nice pirate with the rush and just tra trade in and um there wasn't worrying about dumping specific pieces as much uh, but it still had that really cool infinite dead man's hand engine uh which is very satisfying and a, a favorite for a lot of people all right, so three really, really cool decks for everybody to check out this week. 
Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for our 50th episode. It still blows my mind that we've gotten to 50. Um, so I appreciate all of you guys that watch week after week. And of course, I appreciate Rothlin Corbett for uh, for joining us on this adventure. Um, but yeah, so we've gotten to the end of the episode. I did promise information on the giveaway. So now that you guys have watched all the way to the end, down in the description below and probably in the pinned comment, there will be a link to the giveaway. All you got to do is click that link, fill out a few questions, uh, just to prove that you sh you know watch the episode and get a little information from you guys. And you'll be entered into two giveaways for some wild pack bundles. Um, so obviously free to enter, uh, just a token of our appreciation for uh, for watching all of the episodes and supporting us on this journey. A little token of our appreciation. And uh, speaking of, Rafael and Corbett, thank you again for uh for hosting with me and uh let the people in the audience know where they can find you yeah, you can find me at raffle hs on twitter and instagram and raffle on twitch and youtube and guys you can find me at corbett games on twitter and twitch and you can also find me casting uh in this wild tournament that uh meowth has hosted alongside raffle so um yeah this will be great really looking forward to all that stuff coming up and hopefully hopefully it all goes well it'll be is it going to be over by the time the episode comes out? I, I, don't know I hope so. I really hope that it okay. doesn't go all the way until Sunday morning, because that would be <laughs> insane. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, um, time zones. I lose my track sometimes. What, yeah. what is time, Corbett? What is time? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hope you guys you know enjoyed. I guess it will have happened, so I hope you guys enjoyed the, the tournament, and uh, maybe we'll be looking to put on some, some more in the future. Uh, depending on how Whoa. that goes so if you guys want if you guys missed it and want to catch the vod that will be over on my twitch channel speaking of that's where you can find me streaming four days a week uh and you can also find my content on twitter and youtube at get me out as well yeah we again we really appreciate you guys i can't keep gushing about it 50 episodes never thought we'd get here <laughs> and it's pretty awesome and so thank you all for uh for listening all the way to the end week after week we hope you guys have a good you know good week post Steeler bands i hope you guys are playing all the fun stuff that you couldn't play because Steeler Warlock. Um, and we will see you guys again next week, okay? Later.